You know, not because um, they're not charming, because most of the time they are. Most of the time these are kids that are the teacher's favorite because they're usually sweet, they are usually charismatic. Um, it, it just takes a little bit for these kids to uh, warm up to others. And when they do, if they do, uh, then you will find them in, in their zone. You'll find them in their happy spot. All right, everyone, the Dr. Alex Show is brought to you by Shed Light Cold Lasers. And Shed Light Cold Lasers has been a game changer for us at HML professionally and personally at home. Personally, on a, on a personal note, I had a very bad bout of vertigo. And I got probably 85% there by going to a few different functional neurologists over the years to help me out with it. Then I bought this. And this is a game changer because one, it's portable. That means I can take it to the office, use it on patients all day, make sure it stays charged, come on home and then throw it in my pocket and use that home. And this is what cleared up my vertigo. Now, professionally, the way it's, game, it's uh, been the game changer for us in the office is that it has cut our results down by 50%. This can get used on just about anything, any disease disorder that you can think of, it can pretty much get used on. Now, as far as how it has helped us out, it's cut everything down by 50% on our times. So when we're working with our kids with special needs, uh, when we're working with our chronic neurological disorders, autoimmune diseases, to get those people into a good point that they're happy and that we're happy, times have been cut by 50%. You will definitely want to go check out shedlightcoldlasers.com or email Griswold at shedlightinformation at gmail.com, 518-338-6658. Well, all right, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Alex show. And again, you can see the new setup and producer Nick has been moving things around. And the again, the background on this studio, it's too cool. It's the old post office here in our local town in Lee's Summit, Missouri. And we're in the vault of the post office. So here, the owner of the building has these awesome old radios in the background and everyone gets to enjoy them now. So today I want to talk about dyslexia. The last, oh my gosh, several episodes, dozen or more episodes, we've had guests. And I love, I've learned to really love having guests. And I've got to speak to my heroes and my academic mentors and families of people that we've worked on. And that is amazing. But I wanted to get some nitty gritty details with some further conditions uh, before we close out this season of the Dr. Alex show. Uh, that way we have more uh, content for everyone to enjoy. So today I want to talk about dyslexia. Now, when it comes to dyslexia, what I first want to bring up is a conundrum or something that occurs in the school districts. And I'm not sure why, but I want to bring it to everyone's attention. That way, if you're a parent listening to this and you're suspecting your child has dyslexia or a, a, another associated learning disorder, like auditory processing disorder, or a other somewhat common um, disorder that uh, looks and smells a lot like dyslexia, and that's called Erlen syndrome. Uh, I want to bring this up, uh, this concept, 
that way you're not blindsided uh, when it comes to your child and being in school. So when it comes to schools, most uh, people send their kids to public schools. Although nowadays after the pandemic, I see more and more people running their kids through homeschool or private school for various purposes because they found that it was just a better fit. And when it comes to schools and resources, particularly this is public schools, what you're going to find is if you have a child with a learning disorder, such as dyslexia, you may not get as much support as you think you will. I don't know why. Um, I, I, I kind of have my thoughts and theories, and here's a couple. So when it comes to the public schools, a lot of families heavily rely on the public schools to um, help their children with special needs. Uh, and primarily the, dis the neurodevelopmental disorders that are plaguing our society the most are autism, ADHD, and then behavioral disorders, or in general, children with behavioral problems. And I think that the special education departments um, in schools and school districts are heavily overran with these situations. So all of the resources um, tend to go towards those kids. Um, and I think it goes towards these kids because they are the kids that are disruptive, unfortunately. They're the kids that uh, can cause harm to themselves or other, other kids. And they're the ones that require more attention. And you, you'll learn why in a little bit, but that might be because children with dyslexia usually don't have behavioral problems. They're usually okay on their own and there's no issues uh, to be had there. So they can sit in the classroom and be just fine, but they will have a hard time learning. And that might sound a little backwards, but I'm not sure what else to say, but it's something that I see, or sorry, my wife, Dr. Lauren, and I see in the office quite frequently, and this isn't just our area. Blessed to say we have people come in from all over the country with learning disorders, and they all experience the same thing. Now, that might be because we are working with families that are basically at their last straw, they're at their wit's end, and they've done and tried everything, including working with the school districts, wherever they're at. So they, so that's the clientele that we attract. But I think that all the resources and all the labor goes towards these other disorders. And to get a 504 or an IEP for these kids can be difficult. And I just wanted to have that brought up. Uh, and, and with that, the other thing to bring up uh, to advocate for a child is most school districts, uh, they will not necessarily tell you, but most school districts um, within your state, because it's usually state law, require um, the I'm sorry, let me backtrack. The school district is required by state law that if the family um, requests uh, academic standardized testing, not state standardized testing, but testing to uh, potentially receive a diagnosis of sorts, it has to be provided. Uh, to my knowledge, it is a state by state thing, but um, I would push for that. If, it, if you don't already know about that, or if, if you know it's available and you haven't taken advantage, do it. Even if your child already has a workup, you might as well get a second or third opinion uh, because most of the time they are required to provide that uh, testing for you. And then that will also help you be able to advocate more to get a proper IEP or a 504 plan for your child um, to get the most out of their education. So all of that non-fun uh, stuff aside, talking about dyslexia, 
Now, these kiddos, if you go back to our episode where we talked about left and right brain function, dyslexia is primarily a left brain weakness problem. And if we were to run what's called functional MRIs uh, with tractography, we could see that there is less firing on the left side of the brain. And think of it like an orchestra. That orchestra on that left side of the room is playing a little lower, a little slower. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong. That just means that that's the starting point. And we know through the neurosciences that if you give the proper stimulation and the proper nutrition, then you can change that brain around and get that orchestra to come up on that left side. Also in the research world, for all of the nerds out there, the best biomarker for dyslexia happens to be uh, the right cerebellum. So this is where Neuro 101 comes into play. The right half of the cerebellum talks to the left half of the brain, and the left half of the cerebellum talks to the right half of the brain. And what they find in these functional MRIs is that right cerebellum and areas of the left brain are not quite engaging as well as they could um, compared to the other sides. And that is what is giving rise to the signs and symptoms of the uh, dyslexia and just to lump it in most other learning disorders, uh, genetic or otherwise. Now, the other area that is um, dealt with the most with dyslexia is the back left half of the brain. So for those of you watching, the back left half of the brain, uh, the, the back left uh, corner of your head, that's called the left parietal temporal occipital junction. Big words, but everyone's smart. I think that everyone can understand it. And it's good to know all of this because there's really no other way to uh, describe it. And I think people appreciate knowing all this stuff. So it is that left PTO that is usually not engaged. On top of that, the other thing that's not engaged is that left prefrontal cortex. So the way it goes neurologically is your right cerebellum fires up to that left brain. And then the left brain is getting information um, from, the from that right cerebellum, but it's getting uh, information and it's going to the posterior or the backside and the front side and all over in that left brain. Now, it happens to be that it is the left PTO where word decoding occurs, and that is the primary problem with dyslexia. Now, other issues with dyslexia are not only word decoding, but it is also the ability to have those sounds in your head. So being able to uh, process the phonics. And then uh, these kiddos typically have issues, not all the time, but have issues with word scanning. In other words, they don't know what they want to say. So they have a hard time, quote, spitting it out. And they cannot get their information out because it is the generally that same area on the back left side of the head that processes the ability to come up with words. And then that information goes up to the front um, to the left prefrontal cortex and then spits it out. And then now you have words. So when it comes to these disorders, it is most of the time not dealing with these behavioral problems because if you go back to that uh, hemispheric show again, uh, the left half of the brain is generally regarded as the gas pedal. It is going to be the side of the brain that is going to tell the person to do something. It is going to be the side of the brain to motivate you to act. And generally speaking, the other disorders such as ADHD, 
uh, and autism, these are issues where the right half of the brain is not engaged well. So these are where uh, you can have the behaviors associated with those disorders. And then also you can have behavioral disorders in general without those disorders due to a right brain weakness. So again, you're not going to have behavioral problems with um, a child with dyslexia, at least the typical behaviors that people think of when it comes to behaviors in kids. What you're going to find is they might lack motivation because it's the gas pedal and it's going to tell that person to go and act and do something. And you might also find that they don't have motivation again, because you don't have the ability to uh, hit that gas pedal and go and do something. These kids might be shy and they might have um, a lack of ability to approach people because of that. You know, not because um, they're not charming because most of the time they are. Most of the time, these are kids that are the teacher's favorite because they're usually sweet. They are usually charismatic. Um, it, it just takes a little bit for these kids to uh, warm up to others. And when they do, if they do, uh, then you will find them in, in their zone. You'll find them in their happy spot. When they are surrounded by people that they, that they know, then they will be definitely in, in their happy place and they'll be living, quote, their best life. Because um, after they get over the unknowns of some of the people, that it's fine. The other thing uh, with these kiddos is uh, with uh, dyslexics or other learning disorders associated with this left brain weakness situation is you might find that these people end up having an inability to uh, process language, what is being said as well. And that's where you get into this um, realm of auditory processing disorders. So when parents come in, they say, oh, my child has dyslexia and dysgraphia, and we think they have auditory processing disorders or a language processing disorder. Uh, we're getting testing on that. It, it's never really a surprise to us because again, these are all left brain functions. So just don't be surprised if that does show up. And the only difference between, let's say, a child with dyslexia and then a child with auditory processing, dyslexia, dysgraphia, and all these other situations is it's the number of networks that are involved um, with that are weak in the child's brain. So if we have just dyslexia, then we're fortunate enough to say that we have less networks that are having a hard time. If we have dyslexia and then a few other things, then we have more problems. Uh, and we have more networks that are not uh, doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, the other thing associated with learning on, on top of um, maybe not being able to process language or having word decoding problems is you're going to have issues with um, math calculations. Usually these people are not very good at um, learning math, but once they have it, they have it, but it takes longer to get it. Or if it's pretty severe. They, they may never really get it. And then to top all that off, the left side of the brain is really good at picking out details. It is the side of the brain that is good about understanding the finer details of situations. Uh, as opposed to all of the people out there listening uh, that have children with autism, uh, someone with autism can walk in a room and they will pick out the one hair that is on the floor and the hair is black and the floor is white. No one else will pick out that that hair is there, but they'll pick that out. However, you have a dys dyslexic child walking in the room and the room could be beautiful. They aren't 
picking out that hair. What they're picking out is overall, what is that room like? They're, they have the 30,000 foot bird's eye view. They're taking it in. They're taking it in. Is it comfortable? Is it cold? Is it hot? And they're sizing that room up. Um, but they're not going to pick out the details. If you ask them later on, like what color was the floor, the walls, um, was there any dirt on the floors or whatever, they're not going to be able to pick any of that out. Uh, what they will tell you is like, it was a cool room and it felt great. And I liked being there. That's pretty much what they're going to say. So these people, these kiddos are not very good at detail oriented tasks. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't do them, but they could have challenges with it. They're really good at, um, what uh one parent had called uh uh or what one parent has said two weeks ago is uh horseshoes and hand grenades close enough for government work they're good at uh, getting 80 percent there the the other 20 percent, the finer details that a lot of us <laughs> don't like to really deal with they're especially not going to deal with it um these kids are also really good about um wanting to try new things even though they're shy um the left brain likes f um familiarity so if the left brain doesn't fire as much as the right brain, then they're down to be able to go out and try new things as long as the shyness component isn't uh, overwhelming. Um, and if it if it's events or things or uh, something that doesn't involve a lot of people, they're especially going to be okay with it. The shyness obviously comes into play with people only. And then a few other things with these kiddos you might find is they might have poor immune systems. So when they are um, in the winter months, they could be the ones that are getting sick with the coughs, colds, flus. And meanwhile, the other kids, like your child with autism um, or ADHD, uh, usually they, they may not get sick. And that's because, believe it or not, the left side of the brain is what helps engage the immune system, turn it on to fight stuff. And then the right side says, okay, we're done fighting. Let's, let's turn things off. Again, it all comes down to the left brain is about the gas pedal and it's about the gas pedal with motivation and approaching people, but also turning the immune system on. So these kiddos could be sick more frequently. Um, I know that was me growing up. That's for sure. Uh, I would frequently have colds and uh, I think at one point my mom just got sick of me dealing with it and I'd still just go to school with a cold. Can't do that nowadays, but I know I did it. So sorry to all the other people I got sick, uh, but that's and that's my bad. Now, a uh, few of the uh, last things here, sorry. Uh, logic and linear thinking. Now, the majority of our school tasks, at least in the public schools, are left brain tasks. It is a lot of left brain functioning. And that includes your ability to think linearly and logically and use rationalization. And these kiddos have a hard time with doing that and doing multi-step directions. So it could be as simple as, I need you to go upstairs, change, brush your teeth, use the restroom if you have to, get your shoes on, go outside. And they probably only heard go outside because outside means potentially we're gonna go have some fun, move our bodies and do what we do best. What they didn't hear was change, brush your teeth. They may have heard go upstairs, um, but, they didn't hear the other details in the middle of all of that. And something that helps with that is have them repeat back to you uh, all of the steps and even combine it. So change and brush teeth can be one step. Even though it's two things, it could be one step. Um, the least number of steps is the best and you can even write it down. 
for them is a is another great thing and this can be done in school at home or wherever else it's needed and yes this can be every kid especially a teenager um the last thing a teenager is going to do is listen to mom and dad right so yes it can happen across the board but these kiddos it is an ex it is exceptionally worse and it is a problem and it can be a household disruption in that regard because if they're not able to do a few steps and that hap happens every day that really slows things down and it can cause issues uh, the last thing on school work that i almost missed is these kiddos uh, hate, hate, hate homework. Uh, most of the time they will do anything they can. It's called task avoidance to avoid homework. They're really creative uh, about having to go to the bathroom, uh, having to go to the bathroom again. I need a snack. I need water. My PE teacher told me I need 80 ounces of water a day. They will all of a sudden be able to recall facts and figures to be able to um, get out of that, that work. And it's not because they're manipulative and it's not because they are trying to cause trouble. It's because they, they're not good at it. They know they're not good at it. They're aware of that. And to top all of that off, because of that, they may have self-esteem issues because of it. So the last thing that they want is a self-esteem hit. And it, that can be very tough to navigate. However, I just want to make aware to everyone that these are not the kids that are being manipulative and uh, being maniacal. That's not what's occurring here. Uh, th these kiddos are just truly trying to avoid something that makes them feel uncomfortable and they're trying to do it without hurting other people's feelings. So they will work the environment and situation as much as they can to get it done. Um, what they won't do, they probably, for instance, they, they probably won't avoid they, or they won't uh, fake being sick because they know that there can be ramifications. Um, for faking being sick to avoid doing work or going to school. Um, they, they might realize they could get away with that a couple of times, but they also realize there can be some serious punishment uh, because they understand the bigger picture of things. Uh, as opposed to the other side of the brain, they don't really care. They're just in it for that moment. Um, they will fake being sick and they do not care what happens after that. So then the last thing is the these kiddos, if there is a severe enough problem and there is a severe enough um, uh, number of networks involved with their left brain delay, there could be an IQ problem. However, most of the time these people are really smart. And I can kind of attest to that because I think I was somewhat dyslexic growing up. I, I know my wife says she was, Dr. Lauren, for sure. And not, not that she was uh, dyslexic, but for sure we both have um, left brain weaknesses. And it took us a lot longer to understand concepts in school. And especially when we got into college and uh, chiropractic school and then post-grad studies, I had to still have to uh, study and learn things three or four times most of the time before I grasp it. And that's how, that's how I've kind of rationalized to myself that uh, I think I have a good understanding of these kiddos because of that. Um, but uh, if it is bad enough, they they could have a low IQ. Most of the time, low IQ people um, come with a global delay, what is technically called a global delay, where both sides of the brain are are not happy. They're not firing well. Um, these are, uh, quote, um, what used to be called MR or mentally retarded. Um, however, uh, when it comes to a dyslexic, they're not dumb. 
Um, in fact, they are very smart. Once they grasp something, they are the very best at being able to explain that concept to anyone and everything. They can take the math of being able to launch a rocket into space if they can actually get it and then break that down and bounce it off grandma and explain it to 95-year-old grandma and grandma will understand how the math works to get that rocket up in space. Now, if you ask the individual with Asperger's who came up with that math to be able to launch that rocket in space, can they bounce that off grandma? No, not, absolutely not. But uh, thank God that they are there to get that rocket up into space, uh, but don't have them try to bounce it off grandma. And that's because when it comes to the right brain, it is all about not the details. It's about the 30,000 foot bird's eye view. So when you're explaining a concept that's difficult, like launching a rocket into space, you, you, no one has to know the finer details of that math. They have to know a couple of the big things and that's it. And then from there, someone's going to have a greater understanding of how that rocket or how Elon Musk got that rocket into space or his team. Sorry. Uh, speaking of Elon, he's a little Asperger's for all of those out there wondering. Uh, just a side note. Now, uh, the last couple of things to talk about with these guys is verbal communication. And if you haven't picked up on it, I have verbal communication problems. And that's because I think, again, I have this left brain weakness. So these people will have word scanning problems. They might have a stutter uh, or both or some other form of um, dysphagia or their inability to talk or co communicate appropriately. And they might either know what they want to say and they can't spit it out or they really have a hard time knowing what to say and they can't spit it out. Um, either way, uh, these kiddos or adolescents or adults do have a hard time um, communicating, there it is, communicating what they want to say. But once they get it and once they get it out, again, it is most eloquently put so that most anyone can understand. And I think that's about it when it comes to uh, dyslexia and other learning disabilities. Um, the biggest thing is these are left brain problems. And if you head on over to either hmlfunctionalcare.com Go to our Facebook, Instagram, look up our other uh, podcasts. You can learn more about this concept of hemisphericity or the concept of one side of the brain is not quite firing as well as the other side of the brain. And then you might have a better idea of maybe what your child is going through. Uh, I, uh, that's, that's it. The last thing I want to talk about was, and I mentioned it, was dysgraphia. And we recently did a blog and a few other things about this. Uh, dysgraphia, again, is something that is relatively common with dyslexia. And just to kind of wrap things up, uh, dysgraphia deals with your ability to uh, have proper fine motor skills and write, especially use penmanship appropriately. So if, for instance, someone is dyslexic, that means that the right uh, back half of their brain is not quite firing how it should. Then if you have someone who is uh, has dysgraphia, that means that their uh, left front side or prefrontal cortex is not working as well. Then guess what? If you have both, then you have uh, front and back half of the brain not firing how it should. Just one last thing I want to mention, but that is how functional neurologists and especially us at HML uh, tack, uh, go after these problems. Sorry, we are focusing on the underlying neurology and how to get into that. So 
if a child comes into the office and we find that they have dyslexia or dysgraphia or other associated issues, then we are most likely going to find that that left brain is not firing as well as it should. And we do that with a series of bedside tests with technology or just simple bedside tests with uh, much simpler tools and devices. And it's all non-invasive and we find what is working appropriately and what's not working appropriately. And we find, is that a left brain function or a right brain function? And then we add it up, put it in the right brain column, put it in the left brain column. And we'll find that there's going to be a bunch of situations with these kids that they cannot do as well with their left brain. And then we put it all together and we'll find that uh, with that, with those findings, we will come up with our therapeutic trial because that is functional neurology 101. We will find, let's say that that left brain is not working as well. And there might be a bunch of things you can do for that left brain to get it to fire and engage. There's a lot of ways to stimulate the left brain. However, what I do for one child with dyslexia, let's say they're eight years old, female could be completely different for the next one that comes in the following week that is eight years old and a female. And that's because every brain is different. And it all comes down to running the exam, running the checklists or the columns or left and right brain, if you will. And then running the therapeutic trial, running stimulation, seeing does that improve the findings or not? If it doesn't, I have to go fishing, as I call it, and try other things until I find something that does work. And then when I have something that works, then I know that that is something that I'm going to use for that child. And then I go down the list for everything I find. And that could be 25 things that I find, or that could be 125 things. Either way, we want to be able to fix those functions by running that therapeutic trial, seeing what works, and then knowing that that is what that child needs, and then running the, the appropriate um, exercise and stimulus for the appropriate amount of time. And then that is how we get kids better with dyslexia and other learning disorders. See you guys next time. All right, everyone. The Dr. Alex Show is brought to you by Apex Energetics, apexenergetics.com. First of all, to learn more about Apex Energetics, head on over to that website. If you want to get Apex Energetics directly, uh, please call them 1-800-736-4381, or you can shop our online store. You can get to our online store at myhcpstore.com. Username is Dr. Alex. Otherwise, if you'd like to find a doctor that uses Apex Energetics, you can give them a call or go to the website and they'll direct you to a doc in your area that should be doing very good work with Apex Energetics. Apex has just been instrumental in our lives professionally and personally. About six years ago, we went through one of the most hellacious traumas that you can think of. And if it weren't for Apex with their stress support line of products, I probably would not be here. Point blank, period. And in the office, you, making the switch from other lines to Apex Energetics has sped up our results with our patients, supporting them through their healthcare needs. Um, probably by 25%, um, if not, if not more. And when it comes to Apex Energetics, we just want to remind everyone that we are here to not cure diseases, making claims. We are here supporting people, increasing their healthcare needs, and helping them achieve their goals. ApexEnergetics.com. The Dr. Alex Show is hosted by myself, a nerd, Dr. Alex Nelson. I'm a chiropractor, board certified in functional neurology and childhood neurodevelopmental disorders. 
The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or most any of your other favorite podcast apps. The Dr. Alex Show is a production of Fredcasts. Think, speak, act.